morning. But before she does that, why don't you quieten down and why don't you watch this? Have you ever wondered what we might see if we could pull back the curtain of time to that very first Christmas? If we could, I imagine the story began in heaven, something like this. God was looking over heaven's balcony one day, shaking his head at all the wrong things people were doing down on earth. Oh man, this isn't quite what I had in mind when I created Earth. I feel so far away from my kids down there. Why? It's just hard to be friends with people when you don't like what they're doing. I think it's time. Time for what, Lord? Time for us to step in. Shall we read the army, Lord? Take the lesson? No, I don't think we should send an army. Maybe just one person. What person? Brilliant! They won't be expecting that. Lord, we're sending just one person. Love to be someone very powerful and very strong. Because there's tons of people down there. No, they don't have to be strong. They'll be going as a newborn baby. A newborn baby? baby? Brilliant! They won't be expecting that! Lord, this plan is rather risky. A newborn human baby is small and weak. This baby must be born to people who will protect him. Maybe a great ruler or mighty king? Actually, I was thinking I could send it to a young peasant girl whose heart is beautiful and full of courage. A peasant girl? Brilliant! They won't be expecting that! My lord, I see you're planning to take Earth by surprise. No one will be expecting a newborn baby born to a humble villager. But what good can a baby do? This will not just be any baby. I'm sending in the Prince of Heaven in disguise. The Prince of Heaven? This is too risky. Sending the prince in disguise as a tiny baby, born not to kings, but to humble villagers. Surely our prince cannot be born in a cottage. He must be born in a palace. You're right. He shouldn't be born in a cottage. Phew. He'll be born in a stable. A stable surrounded by animals. Filled with hay. Filled with poo. They won't be expecting that. Lord, how will all people know he's there? What if they don't notice? Those who are looking will find him, and his mission will bring all people closer to me, even if they do something really wrong. When the prince is done, nothing will get between them and my love. Can we leave some clues for the people looking? Like in the stars? Clues in the stars? Sure, why not? We can make one huge one that points to him. looked at their hopeful faces and his heart was touched by their love for the fence. Alright, you can sing. Yay! But not in front of the whole world. That would just be weird. And no kings or rulers. How about we sing for some shepherds? That's a lonely job. Those blokes could do us some cheering up. Brilliant. They won't be expecting that. You know the rest of the story. 
An angel visited Amber Girl with a courageous heart and told her the good news. She will have a baby and he will be the Prince of Heaven who would help Earth to be close to God again. As planned, the baby was born in a stable about as far from a palace as you can get. A group of wise men noticed some strange clues in the stars. They packed their balloons and followed the star right to a baby. And of course, a bunch of lonely shepherds were guiding their sheep when all of a sudden the sky was lit up by a thousand of angels singing. Nobody would ever expect that. That's literally my favourite Christmas film, so I just made you all watch it for fun. Um, <laughs> no, so uh, we are so familiar with the Christmas story, um, and I thought we'd start with some audience participation. So um, I'd love you to let me know what you expect when you think about Christmas or the Nativity. More wine. More, <laughs> more wine. Yeah. Anything else? Hey, yep, carols, anything else to do with the nativity or Christmas, snow, presents, mince pies, tinsel, togetherness is nice, family rounds, stress. What, what about the baby Jesus? <laughs> Squirrel, great, donkeys, um, okay. <laughs> What I was hoping you would all say was things like stars and angels and shepherds and stuff. But obviously I didn't cue it up well enough. <laughs> yeah, that, well done, Neil. Jesus. Okay. So um, to us, things like angels and stars and shepherds are quite familiar, hopefully. And obviously they're instant recall when we think about Christmas. <laughs> but let's think about the context of the Christmas story. So Joseph and Mary were living in an occupied land by the Roman Empire. Um, they were small people in and amongst um, a little village of Nazareth, and they weren't really anything particularly special. Luke chapter 2 says this, and hopefully it'll come up um, on the screen. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place whilst Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes, cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. So right at the beginning of this passage, Luke mentions, mentions Caesar Augustus. 
he's telling us who was in charge. He's telling us about the context um, that Mary and Joseph were operating in. Caesar Augustus was often termed as Emperor Caesar Augustus, son of God. Originally, the um, Roman emperors were given the title of son of God at their death. But as time went by, it began to creep into the everyday. So it meant that to deny Caesar Augustus was anything other than divine was tantamount to treason at that time. And then you have King Herod, who was supposedly the king of the Jews, but he was mainly rejected by his people because he kept the rule of Rome. The Jewish people, they were waiting for their Messiah. They expected their Messiah to return the Jews from exile. They expected their Messiah to defeat Rome and provide freedom for the Roman occupation. And they expected their Messiah to rebuild the temple. They were expecting their king. They were expecting a freedom fighter. Many potentials had sprung up over time, and they tried and failed, which meant they proved to the Jews that they were not the one true Messiah. Rebellion hung heavy in the air. And no one was expecting a Messiah to be born of a peasant girl. No one was expecting him to be born in a stable. And no one was expecting him to be a carpenter's son. Yet it's here in the unexpected that we find Mary and Joseph. They're not really your standard freedom fighters. I don't think they anticipated that they would be having royalty as their children. Joseph was a carpenter, um, and at that time, it was, you know, an okay profession. It's useful to be able to make doors, but he wasn't the highest in society. I can't work out whether Mary was marrying up or whether she was marrying down. But to us, in hindsight of the wonderful Christmas story, Mary and Joseph are the top characters. I don't know if you've ever, um, well, I'm sure you were probably part of nativity plays as a child. Um, I seemed to have a career in them. I was um, always an angel or a Christmas decoration and never Mary. In fact, hopefully there's a picture of me. Um, I'm the little short dumpy one <laughs> doing my, um, I think that was my first angel role. But basically, Mary was the most coveted role um, in the nativity story. It was always either the most popular kid or the teacher's pet, of which I was neither. And so every year, my friend Jessica was Mary. And I remember one year it being an absolute double blow because Jessica was Mary, and then my friend Katia, who is a girl, was Joseph. And I was a Christmas decoration, and I missed my cue. So I was meant to go up and do a dance, and like to my shame, I totally missed it. Um, and it was filmed, and it's um, been forever an embarrassing story. But once we've packed our nativity sets away, once the baubles are back in their boxes and our tummies are full of turkey, Joseph rarely gets a mention again until Advent comes round. In fact, um, a few people I spoke to who I said I was going to speak about Joseph today said, oh, and his technical dream coat, even though it's Advent. <laughs> but you see, Joseph's just not a really big character in the, in the Bible. He is mentioned around Jesus' birth, and then he's mentioned again when Jesus is 12 and he goes to the temple, and then that's it. We don't know what happened to Joseph. No one really kind of follows his story. But in fact, he's always known as 
It's Mary and Joseph. So when Joseph was thinking to quietly divorce Mary because he thought she had committed adultery, I'm pretty sure he didn't think that his name would be always remembered with hers as Mary and Joseph. You see, Joseph could have been completely excluded from the story altogether if it wasn't for his unexpected decisions. So I'm going to tell you a few things that happened with Joseph that, wasn't, that were unexpected. And um, I'm not going to tell, get you to all go, and he wasn't expecting that, but imagine <laughs> that's happening. Um, so first one is Joseph wasn't expecting Mary to be pregnant. Um, you know, they were betrothed, which we often translate as they were engaged or, you know, they were destined to one another from birth. But actually, betrothment was pretty much legal marriage. Um, so for all intents and purposes, they were married, they were man and wife. They just hadn't moved in together yet and they hadn't consummated the marriage. In Jewish culture, there'd be a betrothment ceremony, which was called the Kudishin, which rendered them man and wife. And at that point, if the groom wants to get out, or if he wants to take a second wife, he must pay the bride's father a price of 50 shekels of silver, which was the equivalent of 200 days' wages. So that's a lot for a carpenter to pay. But if the wife was seen to commit adultery, then he would, the husband couldn't, didn't have to pay this bride price. He could divorce his wife, um, and she would be seen as, so she would no longer be a virgin, she would be seen as an adulteress, and the punishment for adultery for the wife and their lover was to be stoned. So the story goes, Mary's visited by the angel Gabriel. We all know what happens, but what we don't know is how Mary broke the news to Joseph. Oh, by the way, husband, I'm pregnant. It's not yours, <laughs> you know it's not yours. But um, it's, it's God's. Um, I'm not quite sure how she managed to tell that news um, or whether she didn't and she just left the evidence to speak for itself. Um, but either way, Joseph found out. And Joseph would have been fully in accordance with his rights to divorce Mary. He was a man that knew the law. He knew what could happen. It was quite obvious that Mary was pregnant. And if he hadn't consummated the marriage with her, somebody else had. So she would be counted as committing adultery. But Matthew 2, 18 says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together... She, found to be, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph was faithful to the law, and the law says that Joseph is able to divorce her as he has cause. So I think the next unexpected thing that Joseph did was he decided to divorce her quietly. I um, think that I often make snap decisions, but when something big and important happens, I quite like to make a list of pros and cons. So I've made a list of Joseph's pros and cons for his two decisions. 
I hope you'll bear with me as we measure them up. So (laughs) Joseph could have divorced Mary for cause. It was quite obvious to him that the baby wasn't his. There'd be no shame on him. Mary's reputation would have been harmed, but at that point it was already harmed because she was seen as pregnant before they were married. But so would her family's reputation. And there was the possible punishment of stoning and death for Mary. On the other hand, he could divorce her quietly with no cause, which would mean his reputation would be harmed. This would be as if he wanted to take a second wife or if he didn't no longer want to be married to her. Mary would be kept safe, but Joseph would have to pay 50 shekels of silver to Mary's parents. Joseph was a righteous man, and in unexpected circumstances, he took a decision where he was willing to take the blame, to pay the cost, and to render himself skint for Mary. So that was unexpected decision number two. He decided to divorce her quietly. But what would that mean for the baby? For the baby, for Jesus, that would mean that he would grow up without the security of an earthly father. And at that time, Mary, as a woman carrying a baby on her own, would have been unsafe. She would have been seen ashamed. And she, wouldn't, she would lack the security of a husband at the time. So Matthew 2 goes on to tell the rest of the story. It says in verse 20, But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph heard from an angel in a dream. That's slightly unexpected. Um, We, you know, we hear of... There's Angel Gabriel, there's the angel in the dream, and then there's the angel that went to the shepherds. There's angels everywhere. Um, But actually, you know, that's unexpected. And the angel showed him another option, a third way, and one that he probably never expected to take. Take Mary as his wife. Why would you do that? In order for Joseph to be convinced, the angel left him a clue. Joseph, being a man faithful to the law, would have known his scriptures. And as the angel calls him, he says, Joseph, son of David. If you've ever participated in the nine lessons and carols, Isaiah 11 will be a familiar passage to you. As a child, um, across the valley from us, because I lived in the middle of nowhere, there was a mission, which was just a really small church that was run by the um, church in the town. And it was closed up most of the time. It had services once a month. Um, But every Christmas, it would be packed out for candlelit carols. And all the children in the local community were expected to read one of the nine lessons. And I dreaded getting Isaiah 11 because it was really dull and because I didn't understand it. But 
Now, it means so much more. So I'm going to just read the first bit of it. But it says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. The stump of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. So whilst the angel refers to Joseph as a son of David, he's reminding him of his lineage and that the Messiah will come from the king of David, that the Messiah will come and save his people from their sins as it was prophesied. And so the angel saying, look here, remember who you are. Remember where you've come from. It is being fulfilled. It's just not in the way that you expected it. So, after unexpected news, after an unexpected dream, Joseph took another unexpected decision, and he chose to take Mary as his wife. He was responsive to God's call. Joseph then went on to play an important part in Jesus' life. He took on responsibilities as his earthly father. Joseph took Mary and Jesus out to Egypt to keep them safe. He ensured Jesus went to the Passover in Jerusalem. He brought him up in the faith and he taught him his skill because Jesus is known as the carpenter's son. Joseph could have not even been mentioned in the Christmas story, but he chose out of the unexpected to be part of that story. So what does that mean for us in this Advent? I, um, as I was preparing for this, I saw this quote on, about Advent from Shane Claiborne. Next one. We'll talk about 2016 being put in rice in a minute. Um, it says this. Advent meaning, the coming is a time when we wait expectantly. Christians begin to celebrate it as a season during the 4th and 5th centuries. Like Mary, we celebrate the coming of the Christ child, what God has already done. And we wait in expectation of the full coming of God's reign on earth and for the return of Christ, what God will yet do. But this waiting is not a passive waiting. It's an active waiting. As any expectant mother knows, this waiting also involves preparation, exercise, nutrition, care, Prayer, work, and birth involves pain, blood, tears, joy, release, community. It's called labor for a reason. Likewise, we are in a world pregnant with hope, and we live in the expectation of the coming of God's kingdom on earth. As we wait, we also work, cry, pray, ache. We are the midwives of another world. As we see through the Christmas story, something that seems so familiar to us, when you remember all the angels and the stars and Jesus, but for those people who were involved, it came about as a, in a wholly unexpected way, in a world where they were living under occupation, where people were waiting for their king, their freedom fighter. God was the God of the unexpected. When I was pregnant with my son, I anticipated and expected um, labor, 
being a mother, all those things. But I never knew what it would be like. I didn't know how labor would happen, how I would be or feel like being as a mother. I was expecting, but what, how it happened was unexpected. We can expect God to move now, and we can expect God to move in the future, but we also know from the Christmas story that he's likely to do it in an unexpected way. So how do we respond to the unexpected? Well, we can go back to 2016, because 2016 has been a funny old year. There's been quite a lot of unexpected. We've had Brexit. We've had David Bowie die. We've had, <laughs> we've had Trump being elected. In fact, there's so many things that happened in 2016 that this meme came up of maybe we should just put 2016 in rice. It's really clear now that um, the civil service hadn't prepared or been told not to prepare for Brexit. There was no plan in place. When I was talking to one of my colleagues who works in the US, he was saying, we're completely in shock. This is unexpected. We don't have a plan for this. In fact, at work, I've been tasked with writing a process and a plan to respond to the unexpected so that we have a process and a way in which we know, a way to follow so that we can respond quickly. But the reality is, when we are surprised, when we are shocked, and when we are caught off guard, it is our heart that guides our response. It's not a process that I've written. It's not a plan that the civil service has put in place. It is not a funeral plan that might have been in place for David Bowie. It is our hearts that guide our response. Mary's response to the unexpected was, I am the Lord's servant. And Joseph's response to the news was, I will take Mary as my wife. So we need to prepare our hearts so that we're able to respond to the unexpected in a way that is gracious. We can respond to the unexpected with grace. We can respond to the unexpected with a considered response and an openness to God. I don't think our world in 2016 is much different to the world that Joseph and Mary lived in. It's a world expectant for change. It's a world that is pregnant with hope for things to change. And just as with Joseph, we expect what we expect might come about in a completely unexpected way. So as we prepare this Advent, as we um, focus and think about celebrating what has happened and what is yet to come, let's focus on Jesus, who is the, the reason that all this unexpected story took place. Let's focus on who he was and how he turned the kingdom up, upside down. Let's focus on how he was patient, forgiving, and kind. Let's focus how he was lowly in the stables and not high up in the palaces. And so today, I guess I wanted to end by saying, I think that Christmas for some people can be a difficult time. It's like we expect Christmas. Um, but we may, in 2016, have faced the unexpected. Or we might be anticipating God to move, and he might move in an unexpected way. So um, I guess James and the guys could come back up. 
Um, and I'm going to pray, but I also want to invite you guys, um, if you feel like you want God to protect your heart because you are facing the unexpected, or if you feel like you want um, to prepare your heart for the unexpected, it'd be great. I'd love to pray for you. I'm sure other people would. Um, so I'm just going to pray now, and then let's worship um, and spend some time with God.